This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You are listening to the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with the Besotted Podcast, Robin Hood, McMichael and Dave XG Anderson. Did I get that right? That's perfect. Yeah, right. but you, you, Hi, you, Charlie. You left out your, your nickname that we gave you a few weeks back. Did, did I? Yeah, I gave it, yeah. No go, no go Hawkins. Do you no, not remember Yeah, it? but I, I didn't want that one, Robin. I, I want to get a better one. We've had plenty of... <laughs> and and, you've and had Dave plenty. said, we, we can't force these things. I suppose, true, yeah. We'll, we'll have to think of a better one. Yeah, well, better, yeah, please. Just let me, give me a chance. Give me a chance. <laughs> as, as, of course, this is the second Brentford fan show that I've been allowed to do with you, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, because obviously I missed you both last week, oh, because bless. Brentford were in action, and uh, I say were in action, it we was were. QPR. It was a massive game. Let's get into it. It was QPR... What did you make of it, Dave? I'll start with you. Oh, well, it was a, it was a great <laughs> occasion. Yeah, really, really good. Um, yeah, I think we, we were kind of apprehensive a little bit. We weren't sure what Warburton was going to do. Good manager, one of our previous head coaches. Um, kind of had an idea that he can't defend and uh, they're going to be a little bit open and give us a few chances. And we really exploited them. It was, it was just a classic away performance. Um, soak them in, soak them up, soak a little bit of pressure, hit them on the break and some devastating goals. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, we're always quite apprehensive, as Dave said. I was very, very nervous going to the game. It's always nervous going away to Loftus Road. It's, an, it's. I, I wouldn't describe it as an intimidating ground, but it's not an easy ground to go to to watch football because it's you're very close to the pitch. Some of the angles you can't quite see all of what's happening. Uh, but like I said, it, it was it was it was a glorious glorious day. If you're a Brentford fan, uh, the bragging rights are always at, at stake, <laughs> as you can probably tell. But this was two teams that are actually sort of doing quite relatively well this season compared to what they were doing last season. Uh, so yeah, it was. It was always going to be a nerv- nervous occasion, but we certainly went out there and uh, started the um, started the week off with a bang. It was brilliant. Yeah, you certainly did, because obviously winning that game 3-1, and it was your first successive win in the Championship, beating a London League rival in QPR, who are going very well in this season. Third one on the bench, three goals, beating a rival. It doesn't get much better, but obviously it was the return of Mark Warburton. How did the Brentford fans feel about him? Do they still look at him fondly, Dave? You've got a wry <laughs> smile there now to see him manage. Not your biggest of rivals, but a London rival nonetheless mm. how do you feel about it obviously you're not a lot easier now that you did get that victory yeah yeah now you can uh, sort of laugh a little bit no I, he's a he's a really good coach he's highly respected here mm. I think 
football-wise, fantastic. Really, really impressive. I think there are some deficiencies in his uh, in his approach to football. I mean, if if he didn't have deficiencies, he'd be managing Barcelona. He's got flaws. Um, they were pretty they were pretty exposed on Monday. Those flaws. Uh, but I think we're over it. We've moved on now. Um, we wish him well at QPR. Very respectful. Um, I. I yeah, I, I've just moved on. I'm much happier with Thomas Frank. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a sort of uh, hit and miss uh, feeling about Mark Warburton in, in terms of the way he played football and sometimes the way he went around his, about his business. It's, it's almost as if he's sort of gone into the, the annals as a, a very good Brentford manager when he was here, but now that he's gone, we're not entirely, uh, we're not pining for his return, put it no. that way. Yeah, you're not pining for his return. You mentioned his deficiencies there. Well, he always says if plan A doesn't work, uh, try plan A harder. I know that's a famous thing that's always yeah. etched when everyone is always talking about him. <laughs> But you're very happy with Thomas Frank, and as you should be, because after this game, it was three successive wins on the bounce, and it was a real momentum starting to uh, turn into for Brentford, especially in this season, obviously, before we get to that game with Huddersfield on the weekend. But before the massive London derby game, what was the general feeling heading into it? Because I know the week before when we did speak, Dave, he was a little bit uh, nervous. He was a little bit nervous going into that Swansea game. It didn't turn out to be the case because Brentford mm. absolutely annihilated Swansea, going great guns in the Championship 3-0. But going into this game, Rob, in. Obviously, we know the result now, but take that away. Were you feeling confident of another result because as, QPR were at home? As I said earlier, I'm always nervous going to Loftus Road. Um, I was feeling quietly confident, N- nervous with excitement. I think is the best way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, I was at a couple of the a um, uh, couple of the, the pubs in and around uh, uh, QP- in and around Shepherd's Bush. Uh, really, really hosp- uh, hospitable. Really, really fantastic for, uh, talking to QPR fans and Brentford fans alike. Um, but I, I, I was feeling. I, f- I thought we were going to at least draw. I didn't. I was convinced we weren't going to lose. I thought we were solid enough. Our away performances recently have been good enough uh, to warrant feeling confident that we weren't going to lose. It's just whether or not we could turn up to the occasion and uh, annihilate our local rivals <laughs> as we did, and and that's certainly what happened. Yeah, you mentioned Annihilate, and Dave, I want to ask you, it, it is a strange one, because almost QPR playing into Brentford's hands, which, yeah. when there is Warburton, and he knows how Brentford play, and obviously there is that history, was that a little bit surprising at all? Well, if you know Warburton, probably not, so I don't, Warburton doesn't think too much about the opposition, that's one of his key mm. traits, I think he thinks about his own side and what he's going to do to affect the game, dominate the ball, push forward, um, quite a high line, and leave a lot of space in behind, so there were... I, I, I knew he'd do that it's whether we could, whether we were good enough to keep them out and we actually were but yeah just going back to that little batch of games we had a tricky batch we had um, Millwall at home uh, we had QPR we had Swansea, Swansea and we were yeah. thinking this is it's real make or break time because they're, they're three sides that we are clearly better than and if we didn't pick up well the points we did pick up those three were absolutely fantastic mm. we like nine points from that which yeah. is a incredible um, return on those with two away fixtures so really good run and uh, it's kind of just sort of fallen away on Saturday but We'll get well, to that. We'll get. Yeah, we'll get yeah. to that. I think I, I, I completely agree with you. If if someone had said to you yeah. before the uh, before the Millwall Swansea QPR uh, treble fixture, uh, you, you'll take nine points. You'd have gone. No, you're laughing. Yeah. You're, have, you're having an absolute laugh if you think we're going to be um, getting getting the full whack from that. But um, yeah, uh, historically with Warburton teams, he's he's worked with quite tight knit squads. Uh, he likes small squads that you can work closely with the players to develop. Uh, develop them um, and he plays a certain style as Dave mentioned earlier uh, leaves it quite open at the back expansive football uh, high pressure high domination uh, and we took advantage of it it was almost it was almost as though uh, Brentford were playing a, 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 a false Brentford side if that makes sense yeah. you know, it was the, like a, a an incarnation of, of our previous selves it yeah. was like looking at us maybe three or four years ago and looking at 
all the areas you sort of fall into in a football match and what you don't want to do and uh, they ended up conceding three goals it's like looking at your ex and thinking blimey I've moved on well haven't I Ooh, <laughs> well, I don't know if I've ever thought that Robin yeah I thought, <laughs> I've definitely not moved on but I thought I played a small part in that because the week that I uh, uh, um, started the Brentford fan show it was the week of the Millwall since then they played 3-1-3 and I thought Ooh, I'm the omen it's going well for the bees yeah. I thought they'll like me obviously the Huddersfield happened result on the weekend we won't talk too much about it because obviously now I've ruined it all but Dave I want to bring it back because mm. it's just a genuine opinion you said we look at those three games we look at the sides we're better than them I know Swansea yeah. are going very well this year and obviously they only recently the last few seasons came down from the Premier League mm. you genuinely believe the side that Brent and Brentford have at the minute they are better than Swansea yeah absolutely we're, we're better than those teams we well, my nickname's XG I'm going to talk about the underlying performance a little yeah. bit here we're, we're far stronger than those teams better in terms of offensive night shots the quality shots we have what we concede we, we're just a stronger team than all of those three so what you're looking for is a tough patch if you if you lose those games that your strong, teams that you're stronger than when you go up against the Leeds the West Broms or teams that are better than you and you're losing those you're in a bit of trouble so you need to try and make sure you're you're out you're outscoring and beating these weaker sides and we we did that uh, away from home and we showed what we we're about just got to try and find a way to do it at home but we'll get onto that later yeah absolutely i am fascinated uh, by exchange that's truly i am it'd mm. be wonderful to talk to you a little bit more but if we take all of that out, do you do you always base it on that or no no because on paper not. swansea fans and maybe other championship fans swansea and brentford aside would argue that swansea have the stronger side on paper do, do you is it purely based on no, stats no. and xg for you no not purely not purely i think you've got to look at you've got to look at squad depth you've got to look at mm. um where players have been their experience their ceilings like how good their potential is yeah. Um, pace and vital areas is the coach playing the players in the right positions is he doing something to weaken them there's so many different things to look at I think it's just a good barometer to sort of look at teams over a period of time and the season so far we are stronger than both those teams in underlying performance I think I think um, I think it was Rasmus once used the word uh, it's an indicator mm. of your performance um, and how well you're doing and I think that's what we that's what I, I use it as I'm not as wedded to to XG as, as Dave is I, I, I like it I think it's it's good to spot don't fall out uh, no that's right uh, <laughs> we not have our tiff just yet but it was um, giving you evils here you yeah. can't see this <laughs> that's why I said I love it but I actually do Dave I'm yeah. trying to win you over fantastic you see um, but uh, no, it's not everything at all we know it's not everything. yeah it's, it's, it's like I say it's an indicator it's a barometer of how well your team is performing uh, in the long term which I, which I like I think it's always good to have that proactive thinking mm. that long term thought process um, and the stats uh, the underlying stats as uh, Dave just mentioned show that we're performing really well well another yardage marker measuring stick of that was those three games we know in the championship you can win 3-4 on the bounce then mm. lose 3-4 on the bounce very quickly in what is proving the championship is always an open link but this year it feels more so I don't know if the quality's got stronger or weaker but did the expectations change at all after those three games because I know it was sort of an indifferent start maybe a stuttering start after those three games you've scored nine goals uh, eight goals I believe sorry three three yeah eight goals I can do quick maths uh, but no, it's you not, nine you're right nine. you were the first time oh, three, yeah. three, three. gosh it was nine <laughs> excuse me we'll have to try it uh, maybe stay out. away from the XG I think yeah maybe. yeah, yeah so I, was, <laughs> I was trying to win Dave over too much but when you look at it three games uh, nine goals uh, nine points and you're going Oh, maybe, just maybe. Did it change at all or three games? Or, you know, no, let's not get carried I th- away. I think it did change a little bit. We got really, really excited. Um, I think you've got to look at how teams play sort of away from home and at home. There's a different mindset. It's a different way to set up and you come up against different opposition. But across those three games, I think if you look to the goals individually, a lot of them would be the, the goals themselves are sort of low probability efforts, like from quite far out from range, like screamers from range. 
really sort of Justice Silver saved us a couple of times. Um, they were they were quite good. We weren't creating the chances that are sort of that you want to rely on throughout a season. We were, we were scoring goals that were quite difficult to maintain, and I think that's kind of where we came unstuck on the weekend. We needed someone to ping one from 30 yards or we weren't scoring it it felt like that sort of match yeah we needed a Pontus Janssen header from 30 yards out it's that kind of that kind <laughs> Please, of sort of anything. that kind of unheard of goal that we just that that just only happens once every once every year kind of thing but mm. um, and obviously that didn't happen but just going back to the QPR game uh, whilst the performance was absolutely outstanding the limbs in the in the crowd were absolutely sensational nice use there limbs oh, but, oh, but, it, but it, it genuinely was <laughs> there were, um, you know I was using limbs that I didn't know I had it was absolutely fantastic uh, particularly Easy, when, it's only 10 past 8 <laughs> watershed um, but yeah particularly when Watkins final goal went in but I just want to talk about De Silva and Benarama because if you if I don't know if you've seen it um it's gone sort of semi viral on the um uh, on the old Twitter is um Josh De Silva's piece of skill some people arguing whether or not he meant it but you've got to check it out because I I think I tr- I had to watch it about 17 times mm. before I started to comprehend exactly what he did and how he did it he basically took about four players out of the um out of the game with one flick and then Benarama just ended Tony Lyson's career <laughs> with a nutmeg it was it, it so it, and that's what I think made this, this game against QPR so the win against QPR so good is that we didn't win we didn't we didn't just win we didn't just win in style we win, we win, we won humiliating them almost it was yeah. a real sort of rubbing salt in the wounds and bring on the return fixture at Griffin Park well for you where does this rank uh, up there with all the Brentford and QPR derbies so it's, it's whenever you beat QPR, you you have a fond memory of it, um, and as I'm sure is the reverse when QPR uh, beat us. I know they'll say they don't care about us as much. But mm. Well, well, obviously I spoke to the QPR fan. I know we can't mention it. I got to speak to them the, the day after because obviously you didn't get to do your show. <laughs> ah, yeah. Let me tell you, uh, they wasn't pleased. Yeah, Gareth was I, on the podcast with us. He was. Before, he mentioned yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, he spoke highly of you guys, oh, but good. he wasn't. He yeah. wasn't a fan of the result, which is which yeah. is fair. We can accept. I'd put I'd put it up there just about with. Jurichin's winner uh, five, four or five years ago now. Um, that that was that was quite special as well. What about you, Dave? Oh, that two 0 a couple of years ago was just I, I, that was awesome. I think the goal, Josh Clark's goal later on, um, Soyers is oh, uh, so, oh that, that was, was just awesome. Soyers let that ball run across his body and sort of fired. Wasn't that his ball. first goal for the club or something like that? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was um, but the the Josh Clark goal, I think you just watch that again. Josh McEachran plays quite an important role in that, and he's someone that we couldn't stand over a period of time. But who'd have thought his, it? his play in the build up like, on the edge of the box? I, I don't think I remember seeing a move like that ever again. It was just awesome to see. <laughs> um, sort of one two and playing in uh, Josh Clark. It was just brilliant. Um, that will always live long. That that game was fantastic. But the Ben Rama penalty and the Watkins double—that's that's 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 a game. Particularly as yeah. it's our last season at Griffin Park, I think that holds extra significance. But as it, well. it was those individual performances that sort of dragged us through to to being so high for Huddersfield. It was it, we were just on such a lift, weren't we? It was really yeah. really 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 good. It will. I just wanted to quickly ask you because I asked Dave, Robin, did, did it change for you at all after those three wins? How your expectations, your aims? Did did it change for you after Abs- those? Three absolutely. Wins? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's impossible not to get a little bit carried away when you've just. Uh, beating your local rivals on a Monday night to, for your third win in a row, it, yeah, it's always it's always going to have that kind of positive effect moving forward. And I wanted to talk about I'm going to talk about fan expectation later on because I think that played a big part in our mm. uh, result against Huddersfield. Um, but like I said, we'll get onto that later. Yeah, we will get onto that because we're going to be talking about that Huddersfield game on the weekend. What was a disappointing one 0 And I'm delighted to say, believe it or not, next we will be talking about Robin Hood's merry little roundup, and it does feature little Dave. Love sports. You're listening to the Brentford Fan Show with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm delighted to say I'm joined in the studio with a besotted podcast right here on Love Sport Radio. Robin Hood McMichael and Dave XG Anderson. Well, you may have seen the Christmas adverts on the TV. The songs have started to play, and that is perfect timing because now we're going to do Robin Hood's Merry Little Roundup <laughs> featuring Little Dave. Isn't that right, Robin? It is indeed, yeah. We've got a sort of little um, snippet of things that are happening in and around the world of Brentford Football Club. Um, so just start off 
off with. Um, as we always like talking about here, we've got a couple of new international call-ups uh, in the past week. Uh, it's now a stage where Brentford players are getting called up to first-team international Brilliant. duty. It's mm. absolutely amazing. Uh, so Camo Makocho has got been called up to the um, South Africa squad uh, for the upcoming um, for the upcoming games, and uh, which is always an interesting one because Camo uh, went away to the um, African Cup of Nations over the start of, or sorry, the African, African Nations League at the, during the summer, and came back to us. And in a similar position to Dalsgaard last season, mm. he's looked a little bit tired. He's not really been able to complete ninety minutes consistently. Uh, so we're not sure what sort of the benefit of him going away does. Hopefully, I'm. I'm which this again, hopefully just gets like a two-minute cameo at the end of a game somewhere because we sort of really need him firing a two-minute cameo. A two, oh, very oh, good. Hey. Oh, so we're getting a new nickname at this stage. <laughs> Witty um, Dave. Witty Dave. Hello. Um, and yeah, Lend so it th- to me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, so. That'll be interesting to see, especially because um, our change in formation and him coming back into the side has been a sort of. Uh, a, a, a part of the upturn in our performances and our results uh, and then Denmark have called up Henrik Dalsgaard and Christian Norgaard which are both very interesting for different reasons so um, if Henrik Dalsgaard does uh, make an appearance and does play for Denmark this upcoming international window uh, he will be the longest the highest most capped player whilst playing for Brentford so um, wow. he'll reach 20 uh, so it was John Buttigieg uh, 20 caps uh, so if uh, he, do, if he and Henrik's currently equaled him on 20 caps so if he gets another one he will uh, reach 21 caps of Denmark whilst playing for Brentford and hence go down uh, for now anyway in the Brentford Adams so best of luck to him I certainly I think he will get because he's pretty much their starting right back Uh, and then Christian Norgup who has uh, been capped I believe at uh, Denmark under 21 level uh, but has been called up to the squad for the upcoming qualifiers as well as um, uh, as well as Henrik so that's an interesting one because Norgard is one of the players who came to us he'd had an injury hit season last season uh, and he's come to us and he started the season playing shall we say out position he wasn't really being cons- he wasn't putting in consistent performances looked a little bit off the pace a little bit lacking in physicality and um, I mentioned sort of camos coming back into the side as I think as that sort of box to box midfield general as we call him that's really helped free up Norgard a little bit to do his more natural role which is sitting in front of the back before putting a tackle and distributing and he's, and he's looked he's looked a hell of a lot better um, the past few games so really best of luck to all three of those those guys we always hope they do well yeah here, here for that, yeah. Just on Chris on Norgard, it's just awesome the the sort of company he's keeping. So Christian Eriksen and um, Philip Billing, uh, like Thomas Delaney at Bo- uh, Dortmund. There's some pretty cool companies keeping there to get into that squad. So really impressive. Casper Schmeichel in goal as well. It's, you know, these yeah. are class, class players. Yeah. And for him to be rubbing shoulders with them is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's just rewarding his performances. But yeah, awesome. Really great to see. It's fantastic to see. Um, and then we move on to a different player. So this is moving away from international call-ups. Um, Saeed Ben Rama uh, has been nominated for the PFA Fans Player of the Month for October, um, which I think is it, it doesn't come as any surprise to me, not necessarily just because of the fact he's got two goals and two assists across the four games that he's played in October. He's that sort of mercurial flash player that who whose sort of tricks and flicks mm. will end up on YouTube and end up on as part of a um, as part of a, sh- a compilation yeah, yeah. and a highlight reel on online. Uh, he's got that sort of imaginative, um, engaging personality as well. You know, he tries things. He doesn't do anything in half measures. He wants to. He wants to do things really, really well. Um, so yeah, he's been nominated for the PFA Fans Player of the Month, uh, and you can vote for him by uh, going on going online and voting. So yeah, get your votes in because I think he deserves it. He's been fantastic in October. Yeah, yeah. vote Saeed. Vote Saeed. Vote Saeed. <laughs> no, no more needs to be said on that. No. Yeah, get voting. <laughs> no more needs to be Saeed on that. Hey, oh, leave one one. I'm going to be out of a job. <laughs> you two carry on like this. Yeah, yeah we'll stop it. We'll stop. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, so cheers for the international uh, stuff, Robert. But yeah, I'll pick little up on, Dave. Yeah, yeah <laughs> onto me. Onto me. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm going to look at a couple of... You need of, a jingle for this, yeah, little probably. Dave. We, well, I'm going to work on it. We'll work <laughs> on it, yeah. Maybe like a little bell or something. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm going to look at a couple of players out on loan or sort of out and about. Um, players that, yeah, we like to keep an eye on and we sort of, could they do anything for our squad now and whether we need them? So start off with Emiliano Marcondes um, out on loan at Mittyland. He is an attacking midfielder, likes to operate centrally. We've played him a bit out wide. I, I think uh, he could be doing... We, I think we could do with him. I think if you looked on Saturday, we could have done with someone running late into the box. But yeah. he's playing really well for Mittyland. Um, good standard out there. He's got a goal so far. Uh, he's got a couple of assists. got assists on the weekend. And Mittyland are steaming that league there. Four points clear of Copenhagen at the top of the league. Doing it's really, nice, really well. nice to see him play in 90 minutes as well. Yeah, it's always yeah. a big thing for Marc Andes. And yeah, it's nice to see him doing that. Yeah, I don't think... He, he just never really got the rubber to green here. But it's, it's really funny. Like With this formation change, I really think we could be... He, he could... He could be an asset for our team and I think he is kind of what we're looking for, something different from midfield a little bit later, give a little bit of support to the strikers. So he's doing really well out there in Denmark at the moment. Um, Halil Dervisoglu, he is a 19-year-old superstar Turkish player who's going to be joining us in January. Really exciting player, sort of like quite powerful, really... It doesn't look 19, yeah, really strong, good dribbling asset, like uh, attributes, just always wants to take people on and uh, can score a few goals. He's on a little bit of a goal drought at the moment and uh, Sparta Rotterdam aren't doing too well. They're down in 11th at the moment uh, and he's been sort of stuck on four goals and three assists for a while, but he's getting shots away, doing quite well. Um, exciting when he comes, yeah, how he's going to fit into the team is going to be really, really, really interesting. We could do sort of a little lift in Jan. I think uh, if we can get through to Jan safe and then he comes in, could be a really good asset to the end of the season. Um and also, Ellery Balcom, so he's quite interesting. He's had a, quite an eventful week. He's a um, 20-year-old keeper, involved in the under-21 last England squad, which is um, really exciting for him. Really exciting for us as well. Good good stuff for Ellery. Um, they're doing really well. So he's in the second tier of Danish football for Viborg, or Viborg, sorry if I've pronounced that wrong, Danes. Um, doing quite well. Sort of nothing spectacular saves-wise. Like his expected goals, he's sort of in line with what he should be conce- uh, sort of saving. Sort of 6.5 XG, save 7 uh, conceded seven goals so he's okay there but he actually got a red card on the weekend when they were 1-0 up and um, uh, Robin and I have watched this back and we are not impressed with the refereeing here yeah they needed VR definitely it was awful <laughs> it was so soft I think I've had more contact with you Charlie since I've been here it was just very very soft um, keep, uh, players gone past him he sort of touched him brushed him I think they thought last man and uh, yeah it was just really soft and he got sent off and he gets sent off and they end up losing 2-1. So not the best week for Ellery Balcom. But interesting fact on Ellery Balcom. So we look at so Brentford keepers, what we're trying to keep an eye on is um is distribution. It's really important and they're really good with their feet. We don't we basically want our goalkeepers to be able to play de- defensive midfield. That's how mm. good they are. We want them to be able to keep short passes up. And he's actually looking really good. So he's made 88 short passes and he's completed 88 passes. He's got 100 percent pass completion and short passes. So sort of like five to ten yard passes square. Sounds like, sounds like sounds like a Brentford keeper. Basically. Brentford keeper yeah. in the making. You want to be careful, Absolutely. it sounds like Pep Guardiola was yeah. snapping him up. This is the way well, they want yeah. keepers to play now. Exactly. This is the modern Absolutely. way of the goal. This four eleven man playing football, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 So you can't get into the Brentford team unless you've got this attribute. So he's showing that he's sort of mm. developing that area and he's delivering it in a it's sort of men's football as well. So it's fantastic to see. Well, what a merry roundup that was. That was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Featuring little Dave, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> I just wanted to quickly ask, before we look at that Huddersfield game, Robin, you mentioned it, you know, how proud you are to see Brentford players who are getting an international call-offs. What does that mean for the fans when you are seeing them play for their, you know, their national side and, you know, the most capped player? How much is it? Not a pinch yourself moment. You're like, they're playing for Brentford, they're playing for their country, they're representing our club. It's just huge, isn't it? Well, it's, I think it's just a marker of how far we've developed as a football mm. club. Um, if you look at sort of back in the day when we were playing on of pitches uh, and uh, we were getting crowds of 4,000 as the club has developed and evolved over the past uh, six, seven, eight years 
um, that's been a, I think that's indicative in the way in which we are getting more international call-ups, uh, most of which are at uh, under-21 and under-19 level, I'll give, I'll, don't get me wrong, but it's the full first-team squad call-ups where, they're, as Dave said, they're rubbing players with premierships, they're rubbing, rubbing shoulders with premiership players and, in, and you know, big established mm. internationals. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's really, really gratifying. It's really, really uh, prideful. I'm, yeah, I'm over the moon every time I, every time I see someone get a call-up. It's a genuine feeling of pride in your club. Yeah, you mentioned them rubbing shoulders. It can only then go and help and enhance their ability, and then they bring that back to Brentford on the weekend. Let's talk about what did happen on the weekend. That was a Huddlesfield, obviously three games, three wins. Then Huddlesfield, you know, the last time you played them, it was the same result, one nil for the Terriers. There, they're on an incredible run. They're calling it Danny Cowley's Conquerors at the minute. It was a six-game oh, unbeaten really? streak. Yeah, I know. Can you believe it? I'm sorry <laughs> that I have to announce that to no, you. But it's, now it's, it's, fair, it's a, fair, a fair assumption, actually. Yeah, yeah. And, now, and now it's obviously seven games unbeaten, and. It's interesting, uh, Dave, you mentioned players that you maybe could do with who are uh, not at Brentford at the minute. It's interesting that on the weekend, I just felt like they lacked a little bit of creative punch when you mm. have scored nine goals and it's been those three weekends. They could have done with it this weekend, couldn't they? Absolutely. Unfortunately, we've got one playing now, Sawyer's, um, sold into West Brom, and I think we could have done with him on Saturday. It was those sort of cuter little passes on the edge of the box, and I, I think this is why people got annoyed with Van Rama's very much trying to make play happen he was it was he kind of felt like it was all on him to do something different and actually break break just that rigid defensive line from Huddersfield and uh, we we could have done with something a bit more but we tried we sort of huffed and puffed a little bit it just it was just one of those days Robert and I bumped into each other in front in the before the ground and we'd um, just spoke, we spoke about the rub it was a kick sport out of sport day wasn't it yeah. we normally say kick football out of football but it was it was, it was, it was, it was a really sport. really strange sort of comparison between uh, Brentford's Brentford football and England rugby is that mm. uh, the previous week we'd had an amazing performance against a, a, a class team it was like the way England beat New Zealand was similar to the way in which we beat uh, QPR yeah. and then it all just sort of came crashing down in terms yeah. of we just couldn't break down a very solid defense in the same way that uh, the England t- national team couldn't beat the um couldn't break down the south african defense it was it was it was really sort of that at the end of the day i think it was a fair result but we'll get onto that later yeah it, maybe brentford were just riding too high from that qpr mm-hmm. victory we're going to talk more about that game first though let's hear what the fans had to say after the game uh first half i thought was pretty even uh, no real chances on goal from anyone uh second half we looked quite bright first 15 minutes we had a few chances they got their goal, shut up shop. It was just really frustrating after that. Lots of niggly fouls, loads and loads of time wasted. The kind of game that becomes so, so frustrating when you're a Bees fan. But uh, we didn't show enough in the end. We just didn't show enough. And uh, their 1-0 win wasn't deserved, I think. But uh, maybe a draw. Huddersfield looked fairly solid, fairly useful. Took their one chance. Not many chances created again, really. I think even when we possession, I don't think we really worried them. Lots of balls into the box, which is unlike us. We didn't really get on the end of any of those. And still that worry about how we're going to really create chances when we need to turn a game around. But you know, no, no one had a bad game particularly. It was just frustrating. Credit to Huddersfield. I thought Brentford were very good in the first half. Huddersfield grew um, into their own into the second half. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, we saw a nice strong finish from Brentford. It just wasn't enough today, unfortunately. It was always going to be a one-goal match, and you know, if you had Huddersfield got the goal, got a goal in front, they were going to sit back and uh, never, never concede anything else. Slightly disappointed with our performance today. Did we leave everything on the pitch last Monday, possibly? Uh, but Huddersfield, very professional. I use that word advisedly. I mean, time wasting, tactical fouls, 
the northern clogging, battling, you know, all the stereotypes that you'd like to take. Sometimes you need to be a bit more direct. I think we are ticking very well. I think they've done a transformational role, right? They've, uh, they've got together a, a band of misfits, people who didn't want to be in the team, galvanised the team, got the team spirit back and the team identity. So, yeah, I'm buzzing. We were, we were like a stone dropping, right? But now we're, we're galvanised, so we've got to look at consolidating that. But uh, I, I must say as well, what a warm welcome today at Brentford. I mean, it's fantastic every time I come to the ground. But um, I did back us at 100 to 1 to be promoted this week, so <laughs> I'm forever the Huddersfield Town optimist, right? <laughs> I think Carl and Grant, Bakuna, we've got proper scorers on our side, and we've got legends from the, the old guard like Schindler and Hogg, and it's just the family, and it's just, it's just so uplifting. I'm proud, I'm proud to be a town. A week ago, we struggled really to turn up today. Um, I, one of the things I've been thinking about is whether we're better as a counter-attacking team because I just wonder whether we have the creative wherewithal and the tempo of passing to open teams up like we used to. I think I know what the answer is. We, uh, we look better when we're, teams are pressing against us and we can, they come onto us and we can, um, we can open them up. But um, when we have to make the game and press on them and make the passes and open them up, I think we, are, we struggle. Fair play to the Cowleys brothers. Um, I've, you know, I, I saw a lot of them a few years ago, as I said on the podcast this week. And I saw something completely different today. They, um, they had a team that, you know, battled very, very hard. They knew what they were doing. Uh, examples, Wemo, they were not going to let him have a shot on his left foot. They just weren't going to have it. And um, he didn't get any opportunity, really, to come inside, I thought. Um, they took Watkins out of the game. You know, they, they, they lit, I guess they marked him out of the game. There were no balls, very little played into Watkins. And, um, and when he did have the goal in front of him, we, we weren't able to get the ball across to him. So, well done, you know, well done to them on that. Yeah, just want, it, it wasn't great today. And um, fair play at Huddersfield. I thought they were very, very impressive. Love Sport. You're listening to the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with the Besotted Podcast, Robin Hood, McMichael and Dave XG Anderson. We were just hearing from the fans then after that game with Huddlesfield. We're still talking about that game because it was obviously a disappointing 1-0 scoreline, especially after those three games, those three victories, all those goals. Well, it just petered out slightly on the weekend, Robin. What was the cause of that? Um, I think we were outmaneuvered by a very well-organised, uh, well-drilled and t- uh, informed opposition. I think um, uh, Liberal Nick made the point on the on the fan audio that you just heard now uh, that we sort of may have left everything on the pitch last week at QPR um, because of the sort of the, you know the amazing result that that was. Um, I don't think that would I don't necessarily agree with that. But what I do agree was that that Huddersfield was incredibly professional. It was always going to be a one goal game. Huddersfield got that one goal on a breakaway and sat deep, and we 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 could have probably spent another another 90 minutes playing football we wouldn't have got a goal against them I don't think so I think that's what it was I don't think it was necessarily us being that bad um, I think someone on the podcast I can't remember who said it so I'm going to take credit for it um, <laughs> uh, said that no, no, nice. no, nobody really had a bad game which I think is it, which is, if you look at all of our players I don't think there was anyone below a 5 or a 6 but there was no one above a 7 or an 8 either 
Yeah, I don't blame you for taking credit. If you were not I would have, and I wasn't <laughs> at the other podcast. Uh, Robin uh, mentions there that Huddersfield very good defensively, Dave. It wasn't necessarily Brentford. It was Huddersfield just being better on the day in them departments. Would you have to agree with that? Yeah, I, I think you do. You, ha- you have to look at the opposition, and you do have to give credit to the mm. opposition sometimes. Like The Cowleys have come into Huddersfield, and they've pretty much transformed that team. You can see that they're so much more organised, really, really disciplined, hard to get, hard to break down. We had one shot in the, we had one shot in the box, and it was a, a Jean Vier header. And uh, other than that, I mean, we didn't really create much. It was it was it was really weak in terms of that. Watkins didn't have a shot all match. It, it was unusual for us. And when things like that happen, you can't you can't just say it's us that's an issue. It's actually the opposition really really sort of performing well. They made the game bitty. They they sort of they really got into us. They scrappy. It was scrappy. It was um, yappy terriers. Eyes. That's one of the things. <laughs> scrappy I was yappy, terriers. Scrappy, yappy terriers. Hey, we can work on this together, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, Alad also said it on the um, on the fan audio. They just said that they they sussed Watkins and Buemo. Yeah. Um, Watkins didn't have a shot all game. That's very very indicative. He usually has it. You know, usually it's has a couple of chances. Um, and Buemo uh, is uh, our uh, Brian from Twitter, as we call him. Uh, he's um, he's he's got this wonderful ability to cut him onto, onto his left foot in a similar way that Jota used to be able to do, but. They sussed that completely, and uh, Dave made the point in the uh, pub. I mean, post uh, pre-match uh, production meeting <laughs> yeah, earlier. Sorry um, that, office, uh, office. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that there wasn't. There wasn't that. that Dalsgaard wasn't making his usual overlapping runs, and we didn't have that advancing midfielder to support Puma on that on that side. So they 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 sussed the way we were playing. They sussed it very very well. Yeah, I think that uh, Cowley deserves credit for that, Dave. You mentioned mm. it because he's very good at tactically, I believe, and that and that's what Huddersfield yeah. Huddersfield saw what what the Cowleys were doing at Lincoln. Obviously, it just feels like last season Brentford, you know, very strong at home, not mm. so much on the road. Slight turnaround this season. What Slight. we think? Yeah, I was being generous. <laughs> I wanted you two to fill in the gaps, but it's, it, it has turned around, hasn't it, Dave? Uh, Robin, it's, it, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's a different sort of. It's it's almost the opposite of last season. Uh, last season, I thought, I think. In both both away and home games, we were very very mercurial in terms of attack from an attacking sense, but um, quite a lo- not very very good in uh, defense as a defensive unit. But we managed to get get results at home because we had that sort of Brick Griffin Park was a bit of a fortress last season. Whereas away from home, we crumbled. This season, we do seem to leak. I don't know what the, what the best way of putting it for it. It's almost I think as though fan expectations. We mentioned it earlier on. Last season, we were always sort of expected at home against Griffin Park, no matter who the opposition was, top of the table, bottom of the table, we were going to score four or five goals and we were going to outscore the opposition. Away from home, we sort of accepted we weren't very good on the road and that we weren't going to... You know, we weren't going to be able to get a result. That's almost flipped this season, and I think it's down to the the, the more substantial transfer fees we've uh, spent in the transfer window. That naturally adds to pl- players' expectations. Uh, the, should we call it the big name signing of Pontus Janssen? That builds more expectation, uh, and all of this builds more expectation. And then when we do a, go on a good run um, away from home and win games like Barnsley, like Swansea, we we have that more of that expectation away from home. So I think fan expectation played a lot of. Um, a lot of a, a big part in the result on Saturday. We almost expected after a good run of results, good run of games, players in form that we were going to we were going to do really really well. And what happened was we went up against a side that that sat ten men behind the ball for seventy percent of the match and completely uh, outmaneuvered us, as I said earlier. Well, what happens when you do get wins? We know wins breed confidence, but you know when you when you're winning, you forget about everything else. And did that maybe slightly mask uh, the? problems in the side or the creative problems in the side Dave a little yeah, bit yeah I think it probably did I, I think the atmosphere on Saturday was was awesome it was, uh, mm. Ealing Road was pumping you and, really and, really and just quickly it was the, the last ever remembrance fixture wasn't it Griffin Park yeah, yeah, obviously yeah, the move was, next year so yeah good stuff for that yeah it was really nice but yeah the atmosphere was really buzzing I think everyone was really on it and 
just just riding that wave from QPR, but just going back to the away and home stuff, I think there is a clear change in this side. So they, in the summer, they've clearly sat down and they've said, what, what's our biggest problem? Well, away from home. If we, can, if we can just shore ourselves up away from home and actually make us stronger defensively and pick up, say, 15 more points on the road or something like that, we, we've got a really good chance in this league. The problem we've got now is actually we've probably built this side... To, to be more counter-attacking and actually when someone is sitting deep it's not of the calibre of last year and it's not Thomas Frank says this in his interviews he, he talks about sort of having better solutions to solving problems and what he means by that what he actually means is is Watkins, should Watkins stay up there on his own or should Watkins drop back how more used to do and sort of get involved and build up more should uh, should Ben Rama make a different sort of run or are, are they a little bit predictable and are, are we sort of falling into the traps that uh, that sort of teams like Huddersfield uh, are laying up for us because they, they, they schooled us on Saturday I think they really did they, they let us come onto them really pressed us in the right areas let us let us just sort of rush things I think it was it, it was just it got very very frustrating and then couple of chances they actually got more shots in the box than us and they scored a really good goal on the break and you can't really deny that it was a it was a good performance on their side they came with came with a game plan and they stuck to it and mm. they stuck to it well yeah is that a cause of concern going forward then obviously it's Wigan on the weekend is yeah. it Dave you seem a little bit more concerned when you I, were saying that yeah I think I think at home I, I don't think anything's changed I think we've had this problem all season it hasn't gone away just because of a couple of really good away performances where we've scored sort of great goals um the problem is still there we, we need to find a way to be better at home and we need to find a way to Teams who are clever and good, not every team is going to be like Derby County, one of the worst tactical displays I think I've seen for a while. They, they just sort of came and were so open. Everyone who does their homework, and this is how you can sort of separate the good managers from the bad ones, they understand our strengths and uh, Koku's uh, looks, looks quite weak, but the Cowleys aren't bad coaches. Nathan Jones isn't, and they're the ones that come and they, they organise their team, which is really hard to do for a long period of game and, and just see where they can get, and they end up getting more chances than us. So, we we need there's something there is something missing that that's happening now. and I, I, some people have raised a point that maybe we're not attacking enough in the beginning phases of the game whether we're a bit too conservative like sort of a three man midfield of Josh De Silva Jensen sorry Josh De Silva Norgard and Makocho maybe that's a little bit too defensive at home maybe we sort of need to swap a sort of maybe a Makocho sorry a, um, Ben Rama sort of into the middle and play someone else out wide or or something else a little bit more who's going to make the full runs and this is the point I was making earlier about Marcondes I think he'd be really good in this formation now and it's, fr- it's frustrating for him probably because he's probably looking at this and thinking the way I want to play and it wasn't ever there because we played the sort of Four two, uh, sorry, the three four three, and now you've got the position number ten position for me. I'm 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 nowhere near the club, so yeah, I am a little bit frustrated. But um, I think we're going to wait. I mean, we're going to probably play the perfect away performance, soak up Wigan's play, and uh, and probably hit them for three. Well, we know what the fans think, Robin and Dave, and what you think at home, and everyone else with the Besotted Podcast. Let's hear what the manager had to say, Thomas Frank, on the weekend. I think it was a, a tough test for us today, uh, and after three really good performances, I think we. We put a okay average performance out there, um, and when we play against the informed team as, as Huddersfield, we need to, to be bang up there, especially on the, on the final third. And, and we were not that today. Uh, first half, uh, Huddersfield managed to, to slow us down and defend very well. Um, we only had short moments where we actually created or could create opportunities. Um, so, but no no problem. Okay, we know we will create something in the second half. Uh, second half, I actually thought that we started to get a bit of momentum, and we, you know, okay, now now it's close for us to, to break through. Um, and then their goal changed it on their their chance in the second half, uh, changed that momentum. Uh, and after that, we, we didn't we didn't do well enough to keep the ball up there, move it well, side to side, produce a cross or another uh, chance. Uh, we didn't do that well enough. It was, it was it was not on a normal high level. Um, so what we need to learn from this game is to 
to still move the ball better, still you know try to come beh get behind them and still producing those crosses and pick the ball up and, and really 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 lock them in. Um, and that's the, the big thing we need to learn from this game and, and take forward into the next game. It is so, so even, so competitive. There's no, no easy games. Uh, look at some of the results today as well. It's, it's so difficult uh, just to be on top of that and, and get that momentum. Um, so what we need to look at is our, our, our performances. And in general, they've, they've been good. Again, I saw a lot of effort, I saw a lot of will out there. And that's the most important thing. But we lack the quality today and the decision making, and that's that's the bit we need to work so hard on. <laughs> of course, it's difficult. No, no excuses. That's the way it is. We we need to find better solution. We need to um, be even better uh, to opening up opponents, uh, and and um, and find that that way in to create more chances. Because we also know uh, there were opportunities today. Do we take the first one? It's, it's a different game. Uh, today was Huddersfield who defended well and did that well. So we have a game next week at, at Wigan. I think we are in a, in, a, in a really good place in many many aspects after a, a top week last week with nine points in three games. Of course we are hugely disappointed that we didn't get the three points today. Um, and mostly I must say that we, we, we dropped a little bit in performance. We've been so good especially in front three. But um, that's the way it is. There's only one way. It's uh, up again and, uh, and start uh, and train hard next week and then we go again. Train hard next week. The only way is up again. Obviously, after those three victories, obviously Thomas Frank come out there. What did you make of that, Robin? Um, I thought with Thomas Frank interviews, I'm either really, really enthused <laughs> by what he says, and again, it all depends on the result because he's either really, really enthusiastic or not. Um, what I, the general message I gleam from the interview that he that gave there was sort of we're going to keep do doing what we're doing, but we've just got to do it better. So whether or not that means there's no Plan B or Plan B is reinforcing Plan A, or if there are sort of certain tweaks, but there doesn't seem to be this sort of I've got an idea of how I'm going to change this, of how I'm going to turn this game around. So when we're in a losing position and the the opposition have ten men parked behind the ball and we can't break them down. This plan seems to be just try, just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. It occasionally does work. It's happened against Millwall where we didn't really change our strategy too much. We kept plugging away, plugging away, got three goals in the last 10 minutes. But as we said after that match, that's, that's a once in a season, sometimes once in two seasons occurrence. So I'm not entirely sure if that's the best way to, best way to go about it. I think we've certainly got the personnel to do it. Uh, but it's whether or not we have that sort of that ability to change up our game plan slightly in order to create more chances. Yeah, I, no, I do agree. I, yeah, I do agree. It's slightly, some points not. Uh, it's it's really difficult listening to Thomas. I think he is, he's he's honest. I think I think he says he says what he feels, and he's mm. honest. And you can kind of hear the little flatness in his voice because he might be a little bit disappointed in the players. I, I think they, he said it in that interview. They sort of ran out of patience a little bit, and I, and I think we fell into a lot of Huddersfield traps. He says a lot of the time as well. We need better solutions to problems, and that's that's what he is. He's a problem solver. That's how he approaches um, sort of tactical issues. Um, yeah, the best way to do it. You look at what's in front of you, and you're trying to adapt. But the guys, the guys, frustratingly, kind of did what they wanted. So Embremo kept coming on on his left. Maybe, maybe he sort of should have gone outside a couple of times on his right and gone on the other side, funneled into the space, uh, funneled into the places where they were occupying the space. Should he? Should he have done something different? Should he have maybe swapped wings a bit more with um, Ben Rama and gone on the left and gone on the outside more? I don't know. There, there were there were a few things that were quite frustrating, and I think it did boil over in the players a little bit. Uh, the couple mm. of Ben Rama flicks where he was just so desperate to try something different, um, and it, it was just one of those games where you felt like if there wasn't a screamer, where were we, where were we going to score mm. then? It was they were, they were just really really impressive at the back. I was waiting for that hail mary goal, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, just sort of fire, fire it from seventy yards out off someone's earlobe and see yeah. if that, see what happens. Yeah. I know you can never look at football like that, but maybe before if we would have said nine points from twelve, three mm. wins out of four, you would have taken it. Lovely. But obviously, the yeah. last game is always the one that's fresh in your mind. It's the one it's that's raw. And, and the you're one only, you talk about the most. You're only as good as your last performance. Well, this is very true. So, I, I was mm. trying to 
do it better than that, but I'm on a yellow, so I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to question Robin <laughs> as we go. But yeah. let's take a look at the, the next run of fixtures because winter is coming and we know in the Championship the games come thick and fast. Love sports. Are you throwing away your hard-earned money on expensive energy bills? Keep the price down when you turn the heating up. You could be saving hundreds by switching to a cheaper deal. A spokesman said.com compares all the best deals in the market to find you the one that saves the most cash. Find the cheapest energy tariffs for you today. Go to a spokesman said.com and start saving now. With a spokesman said.com, fighting for you, saving you money. Yeah, you're still listening to the Brentford Fan Show and Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with the Besotted Podcast, Robin Hood, McMichael and Dave, little Dave, XG Anderson. No, I'm joking. I've not changed that, Dave. Don't you worry, because I know That'll we're both stick. on the yellow. Careful. Yeah, no, don't worry. <laughs> Robin's in charge. Out of pocket yeah, again. I know. Robin is charged. Robin is sailing this ship, just like Jon Snow. And we talk about Jon Snow because winter is coming, isn't it, Robin? <laughs> yeah, and we're unfortunately going to be without uh, Sergi Canos and Nikos Karelis. So I just thought, um, in the wake of yesterday, yesterday's... Um, game between Everton and Tottenham I don't know if anyone I presume everyone's seen the uh, news about Andre mm. Gomez it was, a, it was an awful challenge an awful injury also it wasn't necessarily an awful challenge but it was an awful injury and we certainly wish him the best of luck but it sort of harked me back to the days of um, when we had players like Alex Rhodes uh, it was a promising young player coming through our academy uh, who got bundled into the advertising hoardings on the side never came back from it Alan Judge a few years ago who was the best player in the division arguably uh, scored um, 14 goals I think 18, 18 assists absolutely on form uh, got a double leg fracture double leg break at the um, away at Ipswich never, and has never been the same player since um, so and we, I was just sort of thinking ha, first of all ha, I wanted to pose the question to you Dave do you mm. think that uh, Sergi Canos has got a knee injury uh, Nikos Karelis has also got a knee injury but on a separate knee to the one that he did uh, last season uh, do you think they're going to be able to come back fitter and stronger than before. Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely hope so. I really do hope so. I think I think these injuries are. Yeah, we're so far ahead of sports science now that yeah, they, they're on top of everything. They'll they'll have the best care they can possibly get, and they'll be given the best chance. Let's say. Um, yeah, I, I mean they can come back. Sergi's a strong boy. I mean, if anyone's going to come back, it's him. Those legs are pretty powerful. He can he can take anything. I, I just fingers crossed they're fine. Y- yeah, you just never know. I mean, I think when they are fit, it's that it's that period sort of that couple of months after that where they're probably most susceptible. But Exactly, yeah. because I think I think it's to the Canos and Karelis are two players that had a serious role to play moving forward for mm. us. Karelis was brought in as as the the sort of the the mini Malpe, the the, the replacement the replacement almost uh, like for like, and then Sergi Canos had developed in this into this outstanding wide player uh, playing in the wing back role. And um, arguably, with the change in formation, that's that wouldn't have suited him as well because he'd been playing further forward. Yeah. But he was in a, on a really good re, in a really good run of form. So it's just really slightly disappointing that they're out for the remainder of the season. What is, was what it looks like, um, and then that sort of led us on to thinking whether or not we've got a thick enough and strong enough in depth squad uh, to take us through till January. And uh, well, we, probably not actually. If you looked at us on Saturday, do you think so? <laughs> I think the squad's too thin for you, Dave. Uh, I think with these injuries, I think we look quite light. Yeah, yeah. I think in the wide areas, we're still waiting for sort of Joel Valencia to develop. He looks, he looks still quite raw. I think if you looked at the weekend on the right midfield, who do we have to come in? We're bringing Zambrek on, and you're sort of pushing Ben Rahman as centre. And Zambrek's not a winger; he's a he's sort of a central mid player, and it, it looks light. We. This is probably Frank's problem as well. Like, what what can he do to change it? Is does he have many aces up his sleeve? And uh, we're st- we're still developing. I think January can't come quick enough. I think we need De- Deva Soglu in the house. That will be that will be a really good lift. We need to just try and sort of stay above water until then. But this squad is looking light. I, 
yeah, it might it might be that the formation does tweak it because we can sort of play and get our best players on the pitch. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if there's recall clauses on Marcondes and mm. um, and Force as well, but bringing those two players back in, Dervisoglu coming back in as well, I think we we we, we so you might argue that we look a bit thin. I think the players that, that our starting eleven is very very strong. I'm 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 convinced of that. I think our strength and depth. But isn't it's if you do get those injuries, and yeah. it's yeah. the depth, isn't it? Because you know, yeah. in a championship season, the, everyone's strong to a degree in your first eleven. Mm. It's yeah. when you are suspensions even over Christmas. The mm. games, the the yellows are accumulated. I think it's also yeah, it's like, it's sort of accumulated fatigue. I think we mm. that, we kind of saw that on the weekend a little bit. Camo's played sort of quite a few ninety minutes in a row now, and you could you could just about see that. Maybe we're celebrating South Africa winning a, a great <laughs> uh, great World Cup and had a couple in the morning. Who knows? But yeah, you can kind of see it building and building and you want to be able to rotate players. Jensen doesn't seem to come in and, and give us much at the moment. Mm. I mean, he gives us sort of nice volume passing, but there's no drive from him. There's nothing. He, he kind of sort of, the game happens around him and he waits for it to happen. We, we need a bit more than that. And I think we are missing a couple there. Mm. Mm. Well, just very quickly, obviously, it was nine points from those 12 games. Next, it's Wigan away, mm. Reading at home, Blackburn away, Luton at home. What are we expecting from those four games, points tally, roughly? Because we, ne- we can never say with the performances. I'll, t- I'll take another nine points. I think um, Wigan is very winnable. Reading... Um is a bit is going to be a bit hit and miss. I'm not entirely sure. And black, our, our, it's funny now. We're talking about how our away games. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at thinking. <laughs> we're looking oh, at these ways, like, and our eyes yeah. are lighting up. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd say definitely, uh, definitely a win. I'm going to say wins against Blackburn, Wigan, and Luton, and maybe a home loss to Reading. Three well, nine out of twelve. Nine, nine out of twelve. Well, I'll that tell would you. be eighteen out of twenty-four. That would be very, very good. Yeah, that's promotion form. I, um, I'm pretty similar. I think if there's three wins in there. There is three. I'm not sure what combinations, but I, I, I can see three wins there. Well, they're strong running for mm. Brentford. Quickly, uh, I know you want to announce uh, just a bit of housekeeping, don't you, Robin? Yes, mm-hmm. uh, just a few plugs. Uh, make sure you tune in uh, this uh, Thursday, seven a.m. Will be the Bizotted Podcast, Pride of West London, uh, as usual. Uh, loads of t-shirts and lots of great clobber available on bizotted.com make sure you review and like uh, our podcast on iTunes Spotify and all platforms and like us on social media uh, at bizotted on Twitter and Facebook well unbelievably even though me and Dave got a yellow card we managed to get through it all we have seen the game out we didn't get sent off you made it through the 90 minutes no suspensions unbelievable well what a pleasure this was the Brentford Fantasy they play Wigan on the weekend a huge game there as always we'll be back here on Love Sport Radio Monday 8 o'clock uh, till 9 o'clock to review it all. This has been the Brentford Fan Show with a besotted podcast. Robin Hood McMichael and Dave XG Anderson. We will see you next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.